I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> Robbie Robbie weekly. Little reverse pass. Oh, oh, Magic! Hello and welcome to Rugby Weekly on this Thursday. We shuffled the schedule ever so slightly, what with Connacht Leinster set to meet again at the Viva tomorrow. And on account of the fact that Murray Kinsella is off on this particular Thursday, I am delighted to be joined by our colleague with the 42, Gary Doyle, a familiar voice on this pod by this stage. Gary, how's your week going? Good. Thank you, Gavin. Very, very good. Uh, good to be back in the show. Always a pleasure to to be on it. Uh, and what a week coming up for us. Like, you know, the weekend ahead just just seems to be the pivotal weekend of the season, really. Um, for not, not necessarily for, well, it will be for Leinster if they lose, but uh, for the other three provinces, it's just massive. It's absolutely massive. I think it's from Munster's perspective, it's the potential to be their biggest win in a decade, I'd say, since they beat Munster away. Uh, for Munster, for Van Graan, they lose this. I really think their season could peter out. Uh, for Connacht, I can't see them making the URC playoffs, so it's this is their season this weekend. And from a Leinster perspective, if they if they if they lose this match, it'll be the biggest shock of the professional era uh i would say as go as far as to say that for them um and there's a chance they might you know they're up against they're up against a decent team they're up against the, there's a big distinction between uh connaught the team and connaught the squad and it's a strong team that connaught have selected and i've seen them uh, pretty much all bar one of their home games this year and when they click they're very very good uh, and I've also seen the other side of it when they don't click. We've seen what happens to them against the Dragons, against Glasgow, and against Edinburgh. They look, they look decidedly average. But um, when they're good, when they're on song, they're a brilliant team to watch. So it just makes for a fascinating weekend and one that I actually just can't wait to to see. How's about that for an introductory hello? by Gary Doyle there. Uh, Gary, let me t- take you back to... Most, most people would say, hello, how are you? But, you know, I prefer that one. I prefer your your uh, <laughs> approach. Let me take you back to last week, right, before we watched the yeah. first legs of the last 16. Like, how did you think those games would have shaped up this week before we saw a ball kick? Did you think that all of the province's games would still be very much alive? Or were you looking at, say, potentially... Leinster Connacht that tie being all but over the way I was admittedly no I wasn't Gav and the reason I how it panned out would have been kind of how I thought it would uh, evolve but I kind of predicted last week before the Ulster game that Ulster would have a really good weekend but I didn't have conviction in what I was saying it was a bit like when one of the earlier times this season when I did a pod I actually chickened out of uh, back in Ulster to beat Leinster at the RDS. Just didn't have conviction that it would happen. Kind of had a feeling that might they might do it, but wasn't prepared uh, to put my, my neck on the line. Similarly, last week, I kind of said, I think they'll do pretty well. I think they'll earn respect, maybe not get the win. Yet, they did more than that, obviously. They got the win. And the reason for that, Gavin, is... Basically, not just to do with Toulouse's pedigree, but also to do with the fact that Ulster 
over the years just have sort of flattered to deceive a lot of times when they've reached pivotal games. So that's what I thought would happen last week with them, that they would do pretty well, but they might lose by six points. I definitely thought they could keep the tie alive. With Connett, again, the point I was making earlier, there is a big distinction between their team and their squad. And what I mean by that is if you look at the players that were available for them last weekend, Hansen was making only a second appearance since January the 1st. Bundy Aki was making only his fifth appearance of the season. Gavin Thornbury uh, this weekend is making his third appearance of the season. Dennis Buckley, who was injured last weekend, is on the bench. He's going to make, he's only played, I think it's 180 minutes he's played this season. They are huge players in that team. And once you have them all together, you've got a really, really impressive side. And that's why I felt Connett would do well last year, or last weekend, sorry. And also because of the fact that it was, uh, I think Peter O'Reilly in Sunday Times described it as an old-fashioned FA Cup third round tie in that the place <laughs> was packed. It was sort of a big team coming down to the, to the local ground and uh, nobody giving the underdogs a chance. Yet you always have a chance in sport. You always have a chance. And things changed considerably in that match when Gibson Park got his yellow card, and you we were watching a completely different match at that time. And really, had that been a red card, I think Connacht would have won the match. Had Oisin Dowling been a little bit more patient instead of getting uh, excited by the white line in front of him and had have gone through a couple more phases, I think Connacht would have got the try on that occasion and on the back of that would have won the match. Um, you only have to look at Connacht's results this year, Gav, They've beaten the Stormers, they've beaten Munster, they've beaten the Bulls, and they destroyed Ulster. That's four of the eight teams that are in the top, uh, the playoff spots, the top eight positions in the URC. So they, when they're on song, they can beat anybody. They absolutely destroyed Stade Francais at the sports ground. They are capable of winning this tomorrow. They are capable of winning. But, and the big but is... They have to, to win that match, they have to do what New Zealand failed to do. Because the, if you look at the Leinster team for tomorrow, 11 of the team that they have selected were on the Irish team that defeated the All Blacks. So New Zealand failed to beat that team, but Connacht have to do that tomorrow. And worse than that, they have to do it uh, with a deficit of five points going into the match. So yes, they're up against it. You're going to back... Leinster 99 times out of 100 but it's going to be a cracker if nothing else Connacht will win respect tomorrow even if they don't win the match a lot of people who are sort of floating voters that sort of tune into Champions Cup rugby and not necessarily into the URC rugby are going to watch Connacht tomorrow and they're going to see the brand of rugby they play they're going to see the quality of players they have aside from Hansen and Aki they're going to see how good Cian Prendergast is how good Jared Butler is how good Thornbury is and they're going to see the effect that Bielham has at a provincial level that they mightn't necessarily see at an international level and they're going to come away impressed. John Porch is another good player. Tiernan O'Halloran is having his best year since Connacht won the Pro 12 in 2015-16. There's a lot of quality in that team and there's a good level of quality on the bench as well and I definitely think we're going to see a really big performance from them tomorrow. If Leinster get the job done and Leo Cullen and Stuart Lancaster are looking back over a performance that pleases them what are we likely to see in that eventuality? Yeah that's a really good question so basically there aren't many weaknesses if any in that 
in that Leinster team. So what you're, what you're going to see tomorrow is I think you're going to see a really fast-paced team. Last week, Connacht were so successful at slowing their their speed of ruck ball. Uh, so if they get it right tomorrow, that's what they're going to. That's how they're going to get it right. Well, they're going to attack with sort of relentless pace. Their ruck ball speed is going to be the recycle speed is going to be a lot quicker, and therefore it's just going to be wave after wave of attack, and eventually they'll get the overlap. Um, so they're going to get that bit right. Their kicking game when they when they kick well, a lot of times Leicester can be really conservative uh, in in their own half. That is. And they kick really, really well. So they didn't kick spectacularly last week. But again, anyone that knows the sports ground knows that there's good reason for that. The wind is uh, the wind is just different there than it is to. It's heavier. It's swirling. Uh, a lot of place kickers, like Cardi's stats, for example, aren't that brilliant. But if you've been at a lot of Connacht games this year, you'd know why. Because a lot of time the ball sort of almost has to be held down for him before he takes the kick. The wind has just been so strong. Uh, we've seen teams like the Bulls fall apart at the sports ground because they don't know how to deal with the conditions. You're not going to get that tomorrow evening in the Aviva. I think I think Leinster are going to kick the ball a lot better and that's going to get them... They're going, if they win that kick in battle, then they're going to win the territory battle. And once they get into the opposition half, that's when you see them at their best, when they go through the phases, when they play with, uh, with pace, when they play with width. And when they inter uh, interact between forwards and uh, sorry interlink between forwards and backs, that's when they're at their best. And yes, they're bloody well hard to stop. Like you know, so I still fancy them to win tomorrow, Gavin. I'm not saying uh, Connacht are going to win the match, but I do think Connacht are going to surprise a lot of people by how good they can be. Mm, it's going to be an absolute cracker. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you would have fancied Ulster to lose by about six, like yeah, very much keep the tie alive in that first leg. So they're around twelve points better off than you would have imagined going into this second leg in Belfast at home to Toulouse, albeit Toulouse are back up to fifteen men, and mm. they probably showed enough in that first leg to suggest that they are still very much capable of turning this deficit around, even in. Belfast. What are your thoughts on this one and what do Ulster need to do to ensure that that doesn't happen? Well, what Toulouse did just so well last week was their, they, when they counter-rupt Ulster and they just won so much possession that way. They got Toulouse packed way over a thousand kgs. That's huge, like, you know. The Ulster line-out for once, which has been really, really good this year, and the Ulster mall has been really, really effective. It's a huge weapon of theirs. And Herring's throws are consistent. He's probably the most consistent line-out thrower that Ireland has at the minute. Yet he came under pressure. Ulster came under pressure in that area. And that just has to be an area that they tidy up on considerably. They've got to they've got to you know they've got to retain possession better. When you when you think back to last week that most of the match was against 14 players and yet they were hanging on off the last they they conceded that try with about a minute and a half to go and then they were hanging on for the win, for the six-point win. So they have to, just have to control the counter-rucking that Toulouse uh, were so impressed about last week. That's easier said than done. Uh, you've got to look at the Toulouse bench last week. I mean, you can bring Cyril Bailly off the bench and you're just going, oh my God, like, you know, how do you cope with this strength? How do you cope with this quality? Yet Ulster did. I actually thought they scrummaged pretty well last week. Marty Moore, interestingly, is, is their preferred tight head yet he's nowhere near the uh the ireland squad 
and you're looking at how effectively Ulster are sort of coping with the scrummaging power of Toulouse, the scrummaging power away to the South African provinces in the last three weeks. And you're looking at the problems Ireland are having a tight head when Tag Foran goes off, in, in the scrum that is, and you're going, well, why isn't Moore sort of higher up the packing order? And that's going to be a key area again tomorrow. Uh, if, they can, if they can scrummage as well as they did in France, then they have a cracking chance of going through. Their home record is pretty good, Gav. In fact, it's very good. And that gives them a chance. But, I mean, they're up against... If you're, if you're rating... They're up against the defending champions. If you're rating the teams at the minute, you'd probably have to... In, that are remaining in the, in the tournament, you'd probably have to lose in the top four, even though they're not having as good a season this year as they did last year. So that's what Ulster are up against. You know, they're only... They have a six-point lead. They're at home. But that means... That doesn't mean they're through. It's uh, it is of the of all the matches this weekend, it is the toughest one to call, and I don't know what way it will go. I could easily see Toulouse win in Belfast, irrespective of how good Ulster have become as a team. Just to briefly take it back to Marty Moore, Gar. It's yeah. actually a question. The same question that you just asked uh, was one put to us in the forty-two members WhatsApp group by Brian Hughes during the week, basically mentioning that we talk a lot about depth in the Irish squad and when we do why in the name of God is Marty Moore not in that conversation he's been very consistent this year he's had a good uninjured run plus he adds some much needed ballast while having decent hands I know you asked a similar question there yourself Gary I'm wondering do you have an answer does anyone have an answer really at this point about why he isn't in the squad well I think yeah uh Farrell likes his athletes Gav and he sees O'Toole and Finley Bealham as better all-round rugby players to be able to do the the multitasks that the multitask approach that he wants. He wants his his props to be able to pass, to be able to carry, to be able to, to counter rook. And whereas Moore is probably the best scrummager of uh say out of Bealham, O'Toole and himself, he's probably the most effective at the at the set piece. But the other two are just they're they're really good. They're really good rugby players, all around rugby players. They're good tacklers. They're they're skillful. Uh, Beelham's really underrated around the park, actually, as a, as a player. So that's the reason uh, that Moore just probably isn't as fit as the other two is probably the reason. I would have him in the squad. I think he's a really underrated player. I think he's one of the most underrated players in Irish rugby at the minute. And you've got to remember that he has two Six Nations medals in his pocket. Like, you know, he has shown that he can do it at international level in 2014 and 2015. And he's a better player now than he was then. So I'd have him in the squad, but obviously that's a complete irrelevance in terms of, in terms of his career. Like, you know, um, it's, it's not me he needs to impress. It's, it's Andy Farrell. But he's, listen, if he, if he, if he proves that he can do it against Toulouse this weekend, then that bodes well for a selection in mm, the future. It certainly does. You say that Ulster Toulouse is the hardest game to call this weekend. I would contend personally that Munster Exeter is actually equally as difficult to call, but I am aware that I'm in a little bit of a minority there. There was a sense when Munster got out of Sandy Park with only a, a five-point deficit that bring it back to Thoman and they should get the job done. I, I'm just not as certain because I think Munster, the way they played it, away to Exeter it's kind of just the way they play and 
big games now and I don't know will it be sufficient to beat Exeter this time around I think it could be another really really close game do you think a little bit differently to that no I do think it'll be really close as well but uh, in terms of uh, just a more conviction that Munster will win uh, this match than I have that Ulster will defeat Toulouse because of the quality of the opposition I think Toulouse uh, if that's what they can do to Ulster with se- for 70 minutes with 14 players then you're going well. What can they do with if they, they presumably they will have fifteen players uh, for the entire eighty minutes? So that's the big reason you're talking about the defending uh, champions here and the team that's informed. Whereas Exeter, I, I know they won the competition in twenty twenty, but they're not the same team. They've gone backwards. If you look at their efficiency uh, in the final in the in the opposition twenty two now compared to. 2020 it's like night and day their efficiency has just dropped considerably um and Munster Munster defended brilliantly last week and they had the measure of them they they knew exactly what Exeter were going to do and they were able to cope with that with the exception of the first uh, five minutes of the match after that they pretty much knew what was coming and they had the right players in the right positions and they were putting in double hits when they needed to. They were making really smart decisions defensively. So I think Munster are in a really good place from that point of view. Plus, they're likelier to have a lot of their leading guys that were missing last weekend back. Then add in the Toman Park factor. Add in the fact that they have 26,000 fans on their, you know, on their case, or not, sorry, on their case, on, like, you know, supporting them. Um, you know, it makes it makes it more difficult. Home advantage is a massive, massive factor in knockout rugby, and the statistics have proven that in this competition in particular over the years. So I just think it is easier. You can definitely make a case for Exeter, but I think it is easier to make the case for Munster against Exeter than it is for Ulster against Toulouse, essentially because, not because Ulster aren't a good team, I think Ulster have really developed into, into a very good team this year. But bloody hell, they're up against a brilliant side. <laughs> no, they certainly are. I, I suppose like my contention with Munster would be that I actually agree with most of what you said about their performance uh, at Sandy Park in the sense that they did have the right players in the right positions defensively, especially they made some really, really good defensive decisions. But even if they do have some of the frontliners back, there seems to be... <laughs> a reticence maybe not deliberately to make the right decisions in attack you know and I just think back mm. to say the cast game at home cast away as well and I know that they came away from cast and both of those games thinking oh well it was two wins we're delighted with ourselves but you just sort of expect them to produce more at home especially and I probably haven't sort of seen them do that in a while that's why I'm a little bit concerned but I'm, I'm probably speaking with my supporters hat on there rather than um, rather than anything particularly analytical I don't know I, I'll have to ask you to call them i know you really can't choose between ulster and toulouse but if i could ask you who's going to make it three out of those three games with the figurative gun to your head who are you going with um go for leinster against connaught as i said earlier connaught i think connaught definitely will win over the floating voter with their style of play and their uh and their quality and their quality there's there's so many good players in that team so many players that fly under the radar uh, and I think they're going to make a big impression on people tomorrow. But I think Leinster will prevail in that match. Ulster to lose. Oh, God. Um, I actually don't know. But 
Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I just don't know. I haven't a clue. Uh, who will who will win that? It's if ever there was a 50-50 one, it's that. So if you're going to if you're put a gun to head to your head, you'd probably go for Toulouse on the basis of they're the team that won last year. Six points isn't isn't a huge gap for them to to overcome. Uh, and I'll go for Munster to beat Exeter um, relatively confidently as well. Again, I've seen a lot of Munster at home this year. I think they're a completely different team at home than they are away. And they're a completely different team when Peter O'Mahony's in their starting lineup. They just, they, it's, it reminds me of when I was covering the Republic of Ireland team in the early 2000s when Roy Keane was in the side. He just had a massive effect, not just in terms of his quality, but in terms of his leadership. And they just look more confident when O'Mahony is leading them out. And when he's the one that's on the pitch, dealing with the referee or dealing with the, Dealing with the opposition hard man. He's always there. He's always leading. And they're a better team for having him there. So I also think they've got... They've, they haven't been as bad as people have said this year. Away from home, yes. At home, nah. They've been, they've been pretty good. And also, you know, they've played five games in Europe this year. And they've won four of them. So they're coming into this game with a bit of pedigree. Against an Exeter side that looks past their sell-by date. So... I think it'll be Munster, maybe Toulouse, but not much conviction in saying that Toulouse will beat Ulster and Leinster who will prevail. That's good enough for me. Gary, thank you as always. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Gavin. Take care. Thanks to everybody at home as well. We will be back on Monday for the 42 members with Bernard and Murray looking back on all of those games and anything else that occurs over the weekend's rugby as well. It's members.the42.e if you want to join us there. It is a fiver a month or 42 euro for an annual subscription. You get access not only to Rugby Weekly Extra on Mondays with ourselves and on Wednesdays with Murray and Owen Tulin, but also all of our other podcast offerings, insiders, newsletters, Check it out on members.the42.e. You can make your own mind up, I'm pretty sure. So until Monday for members and until next week for non-members, mind yourselves, have a great weekend. Take it easy.